Today's podcast is sponsored by Doit. Reduce your cloud spend by improving your cloud efficiency with Doit, an award-winning strategic partner of Google Cloud and AWS. Find out more at doit.com. That's D-O-I-T dot com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kubernetes Unpacked podcast. My name is Michael Levan. And my name is Kristina Devochko. And today we have Saim Savdar on, and we're going to be talking about all things CNCF platform white paper, specifically around Kubernetes and how it all works and perhaps, you know, how you can get engaged and all that good stuff. Saim, how are you? Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you very much, Christina, for inviting me on the show. It's been a long time. I think with two years back, I invited you on my show, Cloud Native Podcast. And it's been a long time. And I think whenever you delve into the Kubernetes world, you start reminding dates. When was you the last time you think does? So it's incredibly fascinating. But I think I'm really excited to join you today. It's really a pleasure talking to you once again. Yeah, it's been a long time. And since then, I mean, you've been building your personal brand like crazy. I'm constantly looking at all the awesome stuff that you're putting out on Twitter and stuff. And yeah, man, you, you've done a great job so far at building the personal brand and sharing the knowledge and work in the community. Really, really good stuff. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think like it's a kind of a needed right now. We live in the 2023. Somebody might dislike it. But let's say the tech is more like Oscar thing coming up. <laughs> it's like a tech wood. You can name it tech Hollywood. If you look at the some of the people you're interacting with, those have 10 contribution in the open source, three other categories, like they have ambassador in five different places. They have talking every day on the internet, and then they have a good company behind that. In order to keep up with the pace, you need to do it, man. Like, there's difficult. Yeah, that's definitely the truth. I think that we're all trying to navigate it and trying to fully understand it and trying to do it properly without getting burned out, right? Because you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like in the space that we're in right now, if you want to be successful, you really have to not only you know, work for yourself or work for a good backing organization, but you also have to try to do a talk, you know, try to hop on a podcast, write a blog, talk about it on social media, something, you know, like there's always, uh, especially in today's world. And I think that it's always kind of been like that in tech, you know, like if you wanted to take it a step further, you had to do a little something extra, but it feels like right now, just like with the community driven stuff, you got to contribute in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, I mean, yes. you get a lot back as well. You get to meet some awesome people and learn from each other and share knowledge. And, uh, you know, suddenly you get to collaborate on some awesome open source project or on some other project or even a podcast like me and you did, Michael, <laughs> and not a short while back. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so true. I mean, even you know, as as an independent as an independent consultant and a uh, solopreneur myself, a lot of the times what'll end up happening as well is you know I'll go to a conference or I'll do a podcast or I'll speak somewhere and I meet people and you know we we build a relationship and you know we get to chatting and before you know it it turns into something where I'm I'm getting paid to do some work. So it's you know there there's always this this uh, level of of ex um, um, escalation as long as you can kind of you know stay true to yourself and stay true to the brand and stay true to the community and provide value the um you know the, the sky is the limit honestly 
So, Saeem, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what the platform white paper is. You know, I, I'm, I'm assuming, based on the name, it's a white paper. But, you know, what does it kind of entail? And how, how did you uh, just get started with contributing on it? I think let's travel back a time in maybe in the virtual machine era. I think this gives us the interaction about why the platform engineering is a thing. Why are we actually so much crazy about platform engineering? I think you go back in time in 2004 when the virtual machines came up and you see there is another wave of open source at that time that is not too much of a heavy as that moment of time. But if you're still talking to the people who are living in that age, there is so much craze in open source world. So what ended up happening, you have a virtual machines created, meaning you can run more apps on one machine, meaning you have, can have multiple operating system. And when you have multiple operating system, let's build a business out of it. Make your open source stuff in it, SaaS, everything's the same way with the journey walk back. So I think like the virtual machine era started this kind of a transition to the open source stuff. And then you actually, if you go back like you're moving in the direction from 2004 to 2010. It's like everybody know, like we can't create a virtual machine by myself. It's not an easy job. Like let's say if me and Michael would want to deploy a WordPress app, like do you like to have a to spin up in fleet of infrastructure by yourself from all the way from the scratch? Then you install the operating system, then app dependencies, then eventually you deploy apps. And then even doing exactly people are using from outside the world, pure app. So everybody knows this is not going to happen. What the companies end up is doing is I got AWS created Azure, GCP, because they know better than us how to spin up a virtual machine in just a click of a button. And then when you actually move forward with this space, ask anybody, like any listener or listening to us, how many of you are actually spinning up infrastructure by hand yourself? One of you, two of you might be none of you. And that's a true because we all consuming the infrastructure of the cloud, AWS, Azure, GCP. And that's, if you look at the virtualization world, the first thing came up, compute, network, storage. And now let's compare both of these waves. Container waves and virtualization wave. Containerization, containerization waves created explosion of Linux distribution. Containerization waves created explosion of Kubernetes distribution. Containerization waves, first uh, virtualization wave, compute, network, storage. And that is absolutely the same with the case of containers. Compute, network, and storage. And I think when we 2018, 2019, and 2020, nobody talking about what the heck is storage with Kubernetes. But you look at the companies now, they actually are far richer than before in the storage space. And how this is happening? It's just because a stateful set exists in the Kubernetes. No, it's because of the people know who live in the virtualization here is there is a time when there is a need for databases in containers. And now the same thing is happening both sides. And then open source things pop up. And now the open source is horizon. Like I think the way open source works today is incredibly headache, to be honest with you. Most of the people is incredibly headache. For some of this, 
this is the newest way of doing business of building trust from the communities and doing the same stuff that we already been doing but now i think the most obvious question for the listeners i asked question previously how many of you is spinning up infrastructure by hand yourself answer might be one of you and in many cases none of you the same question how many of you are running kubernetes locally today answer might be 1000 and after a few days 500 after a few days 100 after a few days 10 and after a few days none of them is spinning kubernetes locally this is true and everybody you spoken up with is going to be happen nobody is actually running kubernetes locally because and what you understand is the all of the thing we actually we are doing is currently because the knowledge in this area is very less and all of us is doing consultancy and all these kind of stuff and the company is shaping up but the future is not look like this and the future is look like you have a managed service in the cloud and you forget about what the heck kubernetes is like i think michael or me might might be we talk to our children and we never talk about kubernetes we spend our like 4 5 years of nerdy things so i think like in kubernetes world i believe i might be wrong but is actually nobody is actually spinning up kubernetes locally but then the question is like how the kubernetes work then you actually using managed kubernetes offering might be the managed kubernetes offering in the cloud or might be things like rancher open shift or let's say the company i work with the rafi kubernetes operation platform that's how you interacting with kubernetes in future if you are interacting this way then we call this way a platform engineering and the cncf realized they have so many tiles and so many projects associated with it like the cncf landscape coming up so this mean is now in eventually the same thing happens like people bring it up their services from cncf landscape and then they build the business out of it good thing but who will tell you what is the definition of the platform engineering <laughs> what is the attribute of the platform how to be successful with the platform how to measure the success what is the idb because if you ask vendors what the idb is and then you never liking their definition because they are selling their product so somebody has to step in to this world and tell people the right way of doing platform stuff and that's where the cncf platform white paper came up so one of the things that i want to echo what you said and I'll, and i'll keep it brief is you're absolutely right we go through this era of platforms that were running right because you know for example you could look at things right now like like wasm you know wasm is becoming a little bit more popular but again you know you need somewhere to run it right so it always goes back to where are you running and you know back in the day we had refrigerator size mainframes and then that was the platform and then we had servers and that was the platform and then we had vms and that was the platform and then we had cloud and that was the platform and now we're on to kubernetes and i think the interesting thing about kubernetes and to your point is even though it's been around since 2015 what everybody has to understand is for example docker integration didn't even exist until 2017 2018 so even though it's been around for about 8 years or so 
it's still very new in terms of being implemented. You know, I remember I started working with Kubernetes 2016, 2017, and it wasn't a fun experience. I remember working with, uh, you know, EKS, AKS, when they kind of first came out, 2018, 2019, it wasn't a fun experience. So I would say the past year or two, give or take, it's been definitely a little bit better in terms of it being implemented in production because now people can actually use it in a easier fashion. Kubernetes definitely isn't easy, but it's easy to have the ability to use it in a particular fashion of getting it up and running in production. So, you know, if we look at, for example, uh, VMware and, and all that stuff, you know, getting released more or less 2004-ish, it became very popular 2005, 2006, give or take, maybe a little bit later. Now it's just onto the Kubernetes piece of, yeah, it came out a while ago in terms of years, but now it's actually, uh, it has the ability to be used in production a little bit easier the past year or two. So I would say we definitely have another uh, three to five years of it like emerging until the next thing or the next iteration kind of gets talked about. If you live in the world of virtualization, babe, there's not much of the stuff on that time. There's just infrastructure and very small app. And I am true because if you look at this world, we often spend a lot of time doing watching the television or playing football or cricket and not doing the fancy thing with the apps. And that's mean on that time, there's not much apps. People are just figuring out to, uh, how the infrastructure will look up at the end of the day. So stuff is very small in 2004, 2010. In Kubernetes, stuff is huge. It's humongous. It's so much. If you look at the Kubernetes, we talk about running Kubernetes like virtual machines, orchestration of virtual machines using QWERD. So we're talking about virtualization still in Kubernetes. We're talking about containers and we're talking about monolithic microservices, all the stuff that our ancestor actually uh, innovated. So there is so much of the stuff in Kubernetes, but with a small amount of time, like three to four years, I think if, you, if 2014 is a Kubernetes started in 2017, 2018, it's picked up by the bigger companies. And now five years, I can't relate to five years, only relate to three years, because after 2020, the shift towards enterprises. So in three years, amount of the stuff is actually put into the network in, in the internet around Kubernetes is humongous. It's incredible. And it's made to think about like in future, might be if there is one new technology came up, it took us only eight to 10 hours to complete it. Like, oh, done everything. Let's wake up new day and do another thing. So it's incredibly vastly adopted. That is a true in Kubernetes case. And that is, I think, the best advantage of open source. But I think if right now that the listener was listening to us, number one, they are the beginners. Number two, there's the companies, enterprises, who actually need customers. Number three, there's open source communities and companies. They wanted to know like, where would it go? Where, what is the best step forward for us? Like I think most of us, if you talk to the experts on this domain, they tell you the next wave is for the competition. It's not about friendship or these born battle. It should be a very heated debated. And you look at the platform engineering era, this is where the competition started. 
And rightfully so, it's end up happening. You have to set up business on these kind of stuff. I think like it's incredible for me, like in two years, if you look at the platform that built on top of Kubernetes, I think it's more than 20. I believe there's more than 20. And it took them two to three months for enterprise adoption. And now they have huge customers in just, and somebody's acquired by the biggest companies. This is incredibly fast. This is incredibly fast. But if you talk to those teams, they tell you there is a huge investment of time and money behind it. They're doing this for 2016. But now there's a time for them to tell the people to around the truth as well. So I think like the one question, I think we kind of oriented our conversation towards this. If you are the beginner around this, all of the hype, number one, you have to understand this. Forget about the hype. You have to need fundamentals. You have to understand what we are talking about. If you actually end up following the hype, you end up nowhere. Because when I started learning Kubernetes in 2019, I guess, there's a hype around blockchain and I am starting Kubernetes and there's no one friend for me. Can I talk about like I'm learning about Kubernetes and I feel isolated at that time and look where Kubernetes go and what is happening to the blockchain. So if you follow hype, you end up the hype hacker or hype hiker end up doing nothing. So if you are the beginner, number one, you have to understand this. If you become comfortable with this platform engineering hype, look back in time how these things eventually came up and how this evolved. Number two, if you are the enterprises and looking for the customers, I think like it's very important for you is to think about how much of the time I spend with open source and how much of the time I spend with the enterprise offering. Like it's, it's currently a headache. It's a huge headache because I, I think it's, it's incredible, Michael. I think I wanted to know your experience as well. Have you seen like in the past, like there's a seven people working in the company and they have open source tool. I know a lot of the companies, they have only seven people working in the company, but still they're investing time in both things. Like they have a SaaS offering and they have an open source offering as well. So that's incredible for me, like how incredibly the power of open source exists as well. I think for the individual, it's great. I think the reason why people are doing podcasts now often these days, like me and Michael and all the other people is because of the open source. Because you forget about what is the technology and the business. Let's talk about the innovation. And that's where you actually like talking with other people as well, like-minded people with others as well. Because if you're talking to 100 people on the internet, Chances are there are only 10% of the people who are doing business with this technology. 90% of the thing like what, like enjoying their times with the technology. They have so much stress in this world. Let's spend time with this cool technology to remove those stresses as well. So that's a good thing about open source as well. But I think like at this moment of time, is platform engineering becoming a thing critically? I think for the enterprises, they have to look at it like what is it, their uh, daily routine cycle? Because right now, if you have a good platform in your head, I think it's very important to tell to the world as well. That's for the enterprise. And if you have a small startup and thinking, where should I move? I think we have to keep understand like Wasm-based platform become a thing in future because Wasm scale is like super fast scaling in terms of container. So I did a podcast with Matt Butcher on my YouTube channel around like why Vasm and container works together. Some of the things he talk about is inspiring. Number one, I think he's talk about like he mentioned on, on the podcast, 
In future, we have a one unique binary format that is VASM and that you're actually using for all of the YAML parcel. I'm talking about just YAML, but you can relate to any parcel. Right now, if you have working in the REST, you have a REST-based YAML parcel, Go-based YAML parcel, .NET-based YAML parcel. But in future, VASM is actually the binary format and that's become a standard in this world. So this meaning, if you are in this space and I'm going to start it, doesn't anything, the VASM is, could be the place for you. And the platform engineering is a huge topic. There's only three people in this world convinced by this thing, like me, Michael, and Christina, because we know there's a giant CNCF landscape behind platform engineering. Because if you install Kubernetes locally, what happening, there's a no way to access your app from outside world. You need to in-place egress controller. These are the third-party plugins. Then you need to have a troubleshooting in a, a side guard, and you have a main application code base in another card in another container that's called the service-based approach and this is do this is needable i think a lot of the enterprises is going for the microservices architecture and this is a basic need for those applications then you need drift reduction gitops argo cd i think the argo cd and flux and the gitops is like a girlfriend for the companies right at, at this moment of time sometimes i feel like there's a company they don't need gitops and they are implementing it. I don't know what the sexy thing behind GitOps is, but everybody is actually implementing GitOps. The meaning, the third thing you need to do is GitOps. Then there is a monitoring and observability. And then there's a tracing and troubleshooting. Why, where should I stop here? There's so much in here. So basically, if you are a small startup, platform engineering become a very, very tough thing for you. I think VASM or container-based things can be an easier approach for you. But if you are doing the platform engineering stuff, please let think about it. What should be the best fit for it? Because sometimes it's platform engineering. If you have a one piece that works very well, it's become a thing. I think the best way to think about this is GitOps with Argo CD. The company is invested in one thing, Argo CD. I think they have a good future ahead because they innovated one good thing and they exploded. Like I think if everybody is using GitOps, there's a two only way of Flux or Argo CD. And if you are company behind those GitOps, then you are feel very relaxed at this moment of time. And then you actually might be vacationing these days, like let's enjoy our time because it had done a super job of last five, six months. So I think it's like Michael, like for me, it's difficult to convince beginners what is the best roadmap it's difficult for me to convince startups what is the best roadmap to follow it's difficult for me to tell people what is a roadmap that enterprises should follow but now i'm shifting towards same question towards you like how you are interacting with these people today's sponsor do it can help you with your cloud challenges maybe you want to maximize your cloud use while controlling your costs Perhaps the issue is balancing resource utilization while delivering agile IT. Maybe you just can't get good support from your cloud partners. Doit can help. An award-winning strategic partner of Google Cloud and AWS, Doit works with over 3,000 customers to save them time and money. Doit combines intelligent software with expert consultancy and unlimited support to deliver cloud at peak efficiency with ease. The Doit team knows multi-cloud, cloud analytics, optimization, governance, Kubernetes, AI, and more. Work with Doit to optimize your cloud investment so you can stay focused on business growth. 
Learn more at doit.com. That's D-O-I-T dot com. Curious, Christina, on your thoughts here, first and foremost, because, you know, you're a CNCF ambassador. You're doing a lot of stuff in the Kubernetes space. You're doing a lot of stuff in the platform engineering space. How are you kind of, you know, navigating all of this stuff, right? Because there's just a massive amount of information that's needed. There's a massive amount of teams that need this information. How are you kind of navigating in this space right now? If you have ever seen the meme of when you show the CNCF landscape to a person and he or she just gets a heart attack because it's like totally scary and overwhelming and hundreds of tools to navigate in. Is anyone an expert in uh, in navigating that landscape perfectly? I don't think so. And just as you uh, mentioned earlier, Michael, I have started working with Kubernetes as well, like in 2018, maybe. And I have seen how the whole ecosystem evolved and how the whole CNCF uh, landscape evolved since then. And that's insane. And we see also the container as a service offerings that are coming, like totally abstracting the whole complexity behind maintaining Kubernetes clusters. And it has uh, like all the competition that's coming it has an important goal behind it, like making it easier to adopt the best practices, making it easier to navigate, get some of that complexity abstracted for you so that when you decide to start, let's say, build a platform, right, you can get some of the industry's best practices, best tools integrated out of the box as part of it. And you don't need to like use a lot of time to get a lot of experience and knowledge in every single best practice that you need to get in place. Uh, I think that having those official resources like the CNCF platforms white paper that you are talking about today, Saim, I think that's really important and helpful because there is a lot of content out there that is confusing, that is not necessarily correct. And I have read this white paper and I think it really has a good way of clarifying what platform engineering is, what an internal developer platform is, what are the benefits of using it and what you should focus on. And I really liked that it didn't only focus on like, it's awesome and you should just run and start creating and building those platforms. But I also like that it focused on important aspects of building like a thinnest viable platform, right? Not reinvent the wheel, not start building a lot of custom stuff because I have been in projects where this happened, where people over-engineered things and built a lot of custom things which were really hard to maintain and they were locked kind of maintaining that custom code on daily basis and it needed a lot of rework to integrate something more cloud native let's say or a more widely adopted tool so i like that that white paper focused on that and on continuous communication and for those starting out i think utilizing resources that are coming like officially from the trusted sources like cncf in this case could help learn how to do this from the start and also can help navigate this ecosystem more easily. I think I have one question for you, Saim. Since you mentioned a lot about hype, a lot about like uh, less trusted resources out there, I think when you think about platform engineering and when we talk about platform engineering, one of the topics that is kind of a red flag out there is like platform engineering versus DevOps. So kind of DevOps is dead and then platform engineering comes and is like, this is the way to go. No more DevOps. 
what is your take on this? Do you feel like it's mutually exclusive and platform engineering is the same as DevOps? There's a human psychology behind this versus thing. If you start comparing two things, what ends up happening, if you look at the newspaper, wherever you see a phrase versus, it's get your intention. And for those of the people who are the content authors or the marketing people, their job is actually very, very attractive and they paid much more often if they have good views around it. So their job is nothing behind what the DevOps or platform engineering is. Their job is to create a hype. And to create a hype versus is very important. And if you look at 2014, 2015, I think, if you go back to some of the articles, virtual machine is ended. End of virtual machine, no more virtual machine. There is a containerization. If you look at the Kubernetes, what it's doing, it's actually orchestrating the virtual machines. And if you want to see CNCF KubeCon talks, and I'm actually reviewing the CFPs, I can tell you 15 CFPs I reviewed for Cube World Project. And it's all about how you actually been effective while using containers and virtual machines together. I think for those of people who are creating verses, remember like you create good views for your thing, but you're not the influencer in this space because you are actually comparing two vast things. Platform engineering is nothing to care about what the DevOps is doing. Platform engineering is actually removing the cognitive load. That the term is actually you see often is raw cognitive load. The reason why actually I think I have spoken earlier, like ingress controller, service meshes, GitOps, Argo CD flaps, or monitoring observability, this is cognitive load for the developer. If Christina wants to deploy a WordPress app, we need ingress controller, we need service mesh, he needs how much of this thing just to deploy an application on top of it. And this means like is nothing to do with the DevOps. DevOps is actually will be exist there for the very good reason. And we all like DevOps because it's actually, there's a very neat communication happening in the company when you start doing DevOps things. Because now you have one dev team, one of the ops team, and you do actually roll out some of the responsibilities. I think the way DevOps and the platform engineering works is actually the DevOps job is become more easier by implementing if you have a platform engineering background. And I think this is what the team topologies is, I think they coined the term platform engineering and the term platform teams. I need to check where the words platform engineering come up. I think somebody look at it, oh, there's a platform exists. Oh, let's add engineering on top of it because software engineering, DevOps engineering, and every engineering, let's add platform and in front of it, engineering. But they actually in the, I think team topology mentioned platform teams and for good reason, because what is actually happening today, if developers need a EC2 machine, what end up happening here is if file a ticket to DevOps engineer, and remember the DevOps engineer might be in vacation. During this time, DevOps developer is enjoying his time because he's actually filed a ticket in Jira that DevOps should create an EC2 instant machine, then I start doing my work. You can't, as a company founder, you can't debate me why you are setting ideal because this is not a my job to spinning up EC2 machine. But this is not an ideal situation to ask every time DevOps engineer to spin up a local machine for me. The best way to do it 
that a developer have some self-service capabilities and then they click a button and the EC2 machine is spun up for him and then he start doing the work. I think this approach, everybody likes it. I think if, if you start talking about this concept that developer has self-service capabilities to spin up infrastructure because they want to deploy application on top of it and removing the need for creating a Jira ticket, everybody likes it. There's a no harm in it. But the reason I think the bad things are happening is actually the companies is telling everyone, DevOps, please use this IDP. This is our product, one of the greatest IDP humans ever created. Please use that to be a self-service. That communication is very vague and you don't like it. Me don't like it. This is where the actually the frustration is happening. And I think just to conclude here, number one, you know, there's a need for removing the Jira ticket. Every time there's a need for EC2 machine to crypt spun up. So everybody convinced. What the best way forward? The people who are working in this domain, they think like the best way to going forward with this approach is developer as self-service capabilities to spin up infrastructure to deploy their application. Everybody likes it. But the point that there's a bad thing happening, if you look at how the developers spin up infrastructure in a self-service manner, there are 150 plus definitions out here. And this is not a good communication because this is a marketing communication. And everybody is doing this thing like, I, I really dislike and one of the video from Dave Farley, who is the founder and is a very influencer in this continuous delivery and DevOps space. He's tell the right word. He says, everybody's talking about complex tools and their complexity of a use. Like they say, Christina is a developer. For her to understand Kubernetes is very difficult. Let's spin up another team. And this team's name is Platform Team. And their job is to spin up Kubernetes infrastructure for Christina to spin their apps. So meaning there's a one dedicated team who can understand Kubernetes and infrastructure and then developers using their self-service capabilities to spin up application. And therefore, we said this is a very, very bad communication. There's nothing happening in this communication. There's a no wording because there is not a problem with the tool and their complexity. There's a problem of design. In today's world, there's nobody telling you like, what are the three ways to install service mesh? These are the best three ways to spin up Kubernetes cluster this way. There is a design problem. And he mentioned Dave Farley that you should be heavily invested on design problem. And that is our goal in the CNCF platform white paper is that platform engineering become a maturity model. Let's say, Michael talked to his friend and he lived in the virtualization era and he wanted to be in the containerization era. Today, there is a no roadmap for him and all the roadmap for him are actually vague. What we are doing is actually creating a maturity model that he can use to be productive in the platform engineering wave. So meaning that all the landscape become the maturity model that white paper, our aim is to tell the audience, like this is the way, if you have these problem, bring in these tooling in this fashion. And these are the team actually who are actually managing this, how you measure their success, how you measure the platform. That is approach, but it took us a long time. It is a huge investment of time and we need a feedback from the community as well. 
if I could sum it up, correct me if I'm wrong, but the whole idea right now is from a platform perspective, Kubernetes is very much here. It's very much emerging. It's very much here to stay, at least for the next three to five years, give or take. And the platform white paper, all said and done, the whole job is to make the overall adoption of Kubernetes for everybody simply easier from a design perspective versus just throwing a bunch of tools at it and expecting your problems to go away. Yes, absolutely. And let's let's we conclude a conversation here. Somehow I find a, one of the platform engineering definition, I think is very easier to grasp as compared to the other. I can give you some highlights now. How is the platform engineering is people are defining? If you look at the words, it's really, really incredible. So let me give you some few definition around platform engineering. The number one, let's spin up the wording. The one of the definition I see, they say mention, platform engineer is responsible for reducing cognitive load while interacting and delivering software. So cognitive load one time, you actually can start a for loop now. Next, platform engineering is all about supporting developers. It's bring together experts from various fields in your organization to form a powerhouse team. That is our definition number two. Definition number three, Platform engineering is a specialized field that focusing on creating and maintaining the infrastructure and services that support the development and deployment of software application. If you can understand the one wording is very clear that the platform engineering whole goal is to solve the pain point of the developers. Like developers are doing so much of the spans. They're spinning up infrastructure, they're deploying application, they're working with Kubernetes, they are working with monitoring and observability. If these statements are true, then what up end up happening in the future is, then the developers is only running code and they do nothing. They do nothing, just writing code. And we all know, because I live in the development world, this is not going to be happen because what developers is needed they need autonomy, but they don't not need a removal from infrastructure because sometimes, and most of the cases, developer want to have his freedom of how this application work in the infrastructure. He want to play with infrastructure. So these mean developers doesn't like this definition and this is happening and talking to developers, do you want this to be happen? Some developers say, yes, I love it because I don't want to only write a code and do nothing else. But some of the nerdy engineers, they say this is not going to be happen if they're still becoming a hype because we want our autonomy, our infrastructure. I had a discussion with Alexis Richardson on my show. He is a CEO, co-founder of Weaveworks. And he is, a prior to Weaveworks, he co-founded Rabbit and QA. So we have a very good experience in the platform engineering field. So uh, the episode is live on my YouTube channel. You can watch it if you like. But basically, this is platform engineering definition is closer to me. He mentioned that the platform engineering is how we simplify computing for every developer in our organization by creating environment for them to run their apps. Those environments are the platform. And the job of the platform team is to choose how they are built, where they run, and make sure they are always available in an easy way and separating those concerns between automated platform, app devs who have an easy time, that is platform engineering. 
I share the definition with Michael. So you can add on the note description as to what people feel, feel like. I think this is so closer to me because this one word is very, very crucial here. Alexis tells that platform engineering is all about simplify computing for every developer. This is a pain because developer has to spin up Kubernetes infrastructure sometime by hand. And they don't need any other tooling. And they don't have enough money to support Kubernetes in the cloud. So simplifying computing is a goal. The next he mentioned, how do you simplify it? That is the question. He mentioned the way you simplify it is to create environment. Meaning if Michael is a developer, he need an application and he need an infrastructure where GitOps already been installed. So for Michael, this is the environment. And Christina doesn't want GitOps service mesh or anything. Christina needs just environment where ingress controller are installed. So this is the environment for Christina. So he mentioned the platform engineering job is to choose where those environments are run. In Michael's case, might be this run in the EC2 like AWS. In Christina's case, might be run on Rancher. So this is a job of the platform teams. So the goal is defined with this definition. The responsibilities are defined in this definition and separation of concern is also defined in this definition. So I really like, like, I think like our focus in the CNCF paper is to actually let the world know, let's think about platform engineering this way. And if you think about this way, and if we can tell you this is the right way to define it, then you have full autonomy to add innovation on top of it. Rather than I'm telling you, I am an owner of the IDP, and this is one of the best IDP in the world. And you don't like those kind of definition. <laughs> Personally, me, I don't like it. But this is how Alexis defined. I really like his definition as well. And uh, with that, we had possible to Michael and Christina to conclude it. I definitely think that that's a much more accurate definition for sure. And that, that's a big thing that we have to always think about in today's technology world is there's a lot of tech marketing and there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of buzzwords and there's a lot of this and a lot of that. You got to kind of peel through the onion a little bit and get to the center so you can actually figure out exactly what you know, you're supposed to be doing. Christina, do you have anything else before we wrap up today? Yeah, just uh, to say that totally like uh, being skeptical, checking multiple sources uh, will provide you a broader picture as well on trying to filter out the marketing part of things as well. Just to sum up, uh, since you mentioned same that we as a community and the CNCF are on the lookout for the feedback, both to this white paper and I guess to any future resources that are being published, does this mean that anyone from the community can come and contribute or provide feedback? And if yes, where can they do that? Number one, they can join the CNCF Slack channel. WG-Platform is a Slack channel name. You can join there. We have a bi-weekly meeting on Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific time. And the intent of the meeting was to get opinion from the community on how they are looking at this landscape. And the next big thing we've been working on is the platform in maturity model. I will share the link with Christina. So we're going to add this in the show notes for the podcast. So basically, you can look at this platform. There's a model and there's a design diagrams are available. Basically, you look at it and tell us if this is a right way to measure the success of the platform 
maturity of the platform. If you have any opinion, because I think we have folks from a lot of the different organization. And every time there's a new member join the teams. And I think the whole intent was to get community feedback, irrespective of what are they saying, is have a full liberty of telling us what is the way to define these high-speed technologies. Because this is somebody has a job. They have to pick up. This is a challenge because sometimes people don't like it. They want to do it their own way. But somebody has to step in. So with the CNCF working group, so we definitely want to hear your feedback. So bike weekly meetings on Tuesday, 9 a.m. Pacific time. CNCF dedicated Slack channel. Tag app delivery is a bigger umbrella around platform in the CNCF. And if you go to the tag app, delivery.io, where the CNCF platform is hosted. You can read it. This is not a good one, we know, but we need your feedback to make it more uh, subjective and make it more opinionated whilst you're reading it. So with that, over to you, Christina. Thank you for sharing that. I guess now for the first time I hijack Michael's comments. Just correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the time for you, Saim, to plug in your links, your social media, your company, your uh, blog, channel, whatever, it's your time to shine. Thanks, Michael and Christina. So let me talk about a few things. So I'm running two major things because this is how I'm learning. The reason why I have this amount of knowledge in my head is because I'm doing two things synchronously and I'm doing it for very regularly. Number one, I'm hosting workshop with the CNCF project founders on cloud native Islamabad community. There are two workshops coming up. Number one is BotCube, is a troubleshooting, Kubernetes troubleshooting tool. And there's a one on Argo rollout 1.6 release with Zach Eller, the maintainer of the Argo project. So cloud native Islamabad is a community. If you go and search on the internet, cloud native Islamabad, write it up you will see all the links come up. That's one thing. And also doing the running the podcast on my show that's called Cloud Native Podcast. We have an episode today on a platform, a definitive guide for Kubernetes operators for platform engineers. In recent episode, join uh, Rose Chris from Red Hat joined me and he tells us how you build your custom controller by hand. And it's a wonderful podcast. You can listen as well. I'm also working with a Kubernetes, is a company called Rafe, and we have a Kubernetes operational platform. And remember, I am one of the most unbiased people when I'm talking about those things as well. But I do feel while talking to our enterprises, we, we, our customers are Mass Mutual, uh, Palo Alto, and there are very big names in our company. And, and I remember, like, I just, just joined this company. This is seven or eight months for me living in this company and working with the customers. And looking at the customer list, I'm really inspired, like, how these people have done it. Like, they have a wonderful enterprise who are actually using their platform. So we talk about the platform today. So I think our platform is not much an ideal one for all of the enterprises in this world. But I think I'd love to have a debate with you. Like, what do you think about the platform engineering and platform in journal? But thank you very much. I, I really dislike vendor pitches. I'm an open source guy and do this kind of stuff. So basically, if you want to chat with me, Cloud Native Islamabad and Cloud Native Podcast is a place where you see the Michael Levin episode as well I did with him. And in some time, I will invite Christina as well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs>
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. And I hope everybody listening enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much again for coming on.